Hello, good evening, and welcome to Seascapes. On tonight's programme, low water levels on some of our inland waterways are causing navigational problems, and we're on board a Galway hooker visiting some of our western islands. In Vickerstown in County Leash, locals and business people are urgently asking for help as low water levels are making it impossible for many boats to navigate the canal. One hire boat company even questions if it can remain open for long unless something is done. Michael Lawless has been to Vickerstown for Seascapes. Colin Murphy's my name. You can noticeably see it when you're walking along. You can see the levels drop down. Uh, you can even see the boats at a different level. Like a basic function of for waterways Ireland should be to maintain the water levels. Like this is a 200 year old navigation way. You need to maintain that. It's 200 years of heritage. You need to maintain that. Blue ways and green ways are fantastic, but without the navigation, this is just a long trench. These, these were, were, were constructed with feeders sort of 200 years ago. So the feeders are redirected rivers. So there's various points along this canal. One is down there, it's now filled in, but there's one further up the canal and it feeds in the water. Way up the canal again, at near Lowtown, there's another feeder again, it's quite big. But they have to be maintained, so you redirect more water or less water from the, the rivers to keep the levels up. It's up to Waterways Ireland to maintain that function, and some would say it's probably one of their basic functions to maintain that level, because if water goes below a certain level, it's going to affect navigation. If it affects navigation, the boats obviously can't go along it, and what happens to the canal at that point? And those feeders, are they becoming blocked up with soil and debris that they can't let water through, or what's happening there that needs to be done? The, the one the one north of here, so the one feeding into this line, which is the Barra line running from Monastraven to Atai, that was blocked on and uh, blocked in, and have been working on it in the past couple of days which is great but obviously they still have to maintain that going forward and they still have to maintain the sluices which feed in the water into the canal and how many feet would you say the water is down to where it should be it's very hard to tell visually looking on it you could say it could be even two feet below the level it should be sean murray is my name i'm the chairman of the leash heritage society um i'm a local archaeologist uh, i have a business there in leash archaeology and uh, I have an interest here in the heritage uh, of the canal here uh, in Vickerstown. And it's funny that I'm here in Heritage Week and, you know, what more heritage than the canals and the history that we all know about that they've brought employment and everything to. What do you see wrong with the canals now in 2021? Uh, well, I suppose, you know, uh, the maintenance of the canals itself, you know, the, the water line itself there, you can see there over across there, it, it's way below what it should be. Originally, there was two feeders coming into this canal one of them was filled in there back in the 1950s and I suppose that the, the one feeder that's up there at the moment kind of needs a bit more maintenance work on it there, you know. I mean, the sluice gates up there themselves uh, have been there, I'd say, since, since the turn of the, the last century, like, so it, it needs to be improved, you know. Can you tell me what the sluice do? Uh, the sluice, basically, it'll build up the water for the, the feeder to feed into the canal, basically. So it's coming off the, 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 the Lasher River up above there. So you'll have a sluice up there and it stop, builds up a bit of water which will flow into the feeder and the feeder then will, will fill up the canal or it's supposed to at least anyway. If water levels are down, the boats can't get through? 
Absolutely, you know, I mean, if the water levels are down, I mean, it's just going to cause problems for people with boats. It could damage the boats, you know, and uh, it could also damage the, the infrastructure on the canal itself, you know. I mean, below uh, the waterline, I mean, uh, there's a, a, a kind of a layer there called puddle mud, you know, and that kind of keeps the, the canal watertight. And if that's kind of messed around with by, uh, you know, propellers dragging off the puddle mud, I mean, it's going to cause even more water loss in the canal. We're in Vickerstown and it's one of many towns that has canals throughout Ireland. What's special about the heritage of Vickerstown and this canal? Can you tell me a bit about its history? Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, this canal here, this stretch of the canal was built uh, in, in a two-year period from 1789 to 1791. It was built by a workforce of about 4,000 men working at 13 pence a day. And the reason they built it was because the canal arrived in Monastrevin in uh, 1785, all the way from Dublin. And the plan was then to run boats from Monastrevin down to Atai along the Barrow. And of course, uh, the Barrow was prone to flooding and water fluctuations, just as we have some fluctuations on the canal here today. And they decided then to build a controlled waterway all the way from Monastrevin uh, down to Atai. So that way they could uh, not navigate on, on the Barrow. They could use this controlled waterway here on the canal to... to um, basically get to Atai really and onto the barrow from there on down. As I said it took two years to build, uh, 1789 to 1791. There's two aqueducts on it, there's the Grattan Aqueduct and there's the K-Mac Aqueduct um, and there's uh, 12 row bridges were built over it here. So it's, a, it's an amazing feat of engineering really. So the boats I suppose uh, they would have been all hearth-drawn back then you know and you would have had a stables here at Vickerstown and that's where they would have brought fresh horses onto the boats. So you have a boat say, coming from a tie, heading towards Monastrevin, you'd stop off in Vickerstown, you'll freshen up your horses, you'll get new horses and they'll, they'll take the cargo on. Back in those days I suppose the cargo was limestone, it was potatoes, it was uh, uh, agricultural produce um, and various things like that. And then I suppose as time went by, um, uh, the years went by, passengers started using the boats here. So I think it was around 1810 or thereabouts when passengers used to use boats on this stretch of the canal. Um, and there would have been a, a hotel here at Vickerstown and uh, people would have stayed overnight or whatever and got on the next uh, passenger boat going up to, to Dublin or maybe down as far as the Thai and further on down to Waterford. Um, yeah, my name is Paul and my boat name is Ashling. The boat is absolutely stunning. Is this something you live on board the whole time or is this just a holiday escape for the weekends? Yeah, living on board and then uh, have just finished a trip on it down the barrow, so using it for holidays too. And where are you living on us, do you mind me asking? Um, just outside Nace in a place called uh, Lowtown. Lovely, a, a lovely place we've been to before. And is there a reason why you've decided to live on this boat? Yeah, I mean, the list is long. You know, you're, you're kind of... On a boat, you're, you have a great quality of life because you're so close to nature. You're always kind of active. You're always busy. There's a great sense of community. Um, then there was the whole housing crisis thing that you can't really take away from as well. So it, it kind of gave us an opportunity in lots of different ways. And we've been talking to business owners and local historians here about this lovely waterways here. You've been on the canals here. What's the condition of them? A lot of people are saying the levels are causing them problems. And, and, and how do you find it? Yeah, so this summer uh, alone, I've been all the way down the Grand Canal um, and back up. And I've been all the way down the Barrow and back up. So I've done extensive travelling. And the, quite frankly, the state of the canals is shocking. I mean, you look here, you can see all this cut weed that's just kind of floating on the surface of the canal right now. 
if I was to drive the boat through that, you can bet your bottom dollar it'd be wrapped around my propeller. So the weeds are are, are one problem, but I, I, I don't think you can take that. I, I think they go hand in hand with the levels because if the levels of the canal were higher, you wouldn't be as likely to get caught up in weeds. So I've had stretches of the canal take me you know, twice, three times as long as they should take me because I'm I'm going into my weed hatch, I'm cutting out weed out of the propeller, I'm going off again and 10 minutes later my tiller's rattling because there's more weed wrapped around the propeller. propeller. So, you know, you know, I don't know what's been done about it because everyone seems to have the same issue. Uh, but I would argue that the, the canals are not really navigable. They're, you know, if... Are they that bad? Yeah, they're really bad. They're really, really poor. Uh, I've heard... I haven't met another boater that hasn't had the same situation, but yeah, like I, you know, the trips that I've done, I've done recreationally, and if I were to think about it again or go back on it, I don't know if I would do them again because I don't know if I would be bothered spending, on average, probably an hour or two more a day than I should be looking after my my weed hatch or you know dealing with bad levels, not being able to moor up against jetties, all of these things. They all have a massive knock-on effect of the, on the experience. And are you scraping the hole? No, I have a very low draft. I've less than two foot of a draft, so I'm not too bad that way. But I, if you were to have any bit more than two foot, you would be scraping the bottom. Like a, when I was coming back from the Grand Canal, I saw um, one of the original Grand Canal Company barges, and it was ran aground in the middle of the canal. You know, it wasn't just the side where <laughs> they were coming up against, you know, uh, lower surface area or whatever. They were in the middle of the canal. And they were ran aground. Now they did. I think they draw, you know, three foot, three foot four. Um, so. They're a lot deeper than mine, but it's still not acceptable for those kind of conditions. My father's actually from Vickerstown, and he said to me that he'd never seen the canal as low in his life. And you can see now, we're probably a good six or seven inches down to step off the jetty onto my boat. So, you know, if anyone was not as able-bodied or not a, not a young person, that's quite challenging. It can be dangerous, so it's not okay, but... As well as that, a marine notice went out and at the time and said, listen, you know, the canal's down 40, mil, 40 I think it was 400 millimetres, it said. But it was down a metre, if not more. You know, you ask anyone around here, 400, mil, 400 millimetres was a massive understatement. But it's not just locals and boat owners that are struggling with the water levels. Orla Crean of Barrowline Cruisers talks about her frustration of the recent canal levels. Okay, so we're walking along the new Blue Way cycle track and this is a track that's going all the way from Athai to Lowtown and it's going through Leash here as well in Vickerstown. Part of it is completed, this part that we're walking on now as you can see and um, it's beautiful because the lovely thing about this towpath is it's following, it's, it's, well the track is following the ancient towpath that the horses used to come along many many years ago and pull the old barges along so even on the bridges there you can see the rope marks from the horses and such a huge part of our heritage it's amazing love to show it off of course we're all about slow tourism as well so we love people to look at their surrounds as they're cycling along and to see the boats going past on the canal and you know all of that and i suppose as we're walking here we can see you know there's other people walking they've all their rain gear and there's people running about and there's lots of activity on the canals which is great to see 
But you were saying to me there is a problem with the canal that's not being addressed. Yeah, there is a major problem. I mean, over the years, unfortunately, the navigation, I think it's been left behind a bit or neglected. And um, this year we noticed in particular, it seems like, you know, people, maybe, you know, staff have been moved away from the actual navigation to the blue way and um, you know it causes problems for boats going up and down because you have the likes of uh, weed overgrowth and you know also um, kind of the levels are extremely low at the moment but it's very very difficult to get on and off of the boats at the jetties even you can see it's way down I mean it's it went the levels went down by a couple of feet and our customers said that they found it very, very difficult to get on and off the boats. But really, you know, it needs to be addressed, you know, at a higher level in the organisation. Um, and that's the thing. The Blue Way is, is great, but you can't take resources from one area to which was very understaffed anyway and, and put them in another area. It just doesn't work, especially at this time of the year, actually, because this one it's particularly busy. But a lot of the maintenance as well could be done before the season starts, and that would be very, very helpful to us. And then you wouldn't have the problems that you have now. So, And you see, the thing about it is as well, the unfortunate thing is, like, boats and and lots of private boat owners will tell you as well that they won't go onto the canals because of the problems that arise when they're cruising. And you see, there are quite a number of cruiser-type boats rather than barges like ours. They wouldn't have a weed hatch, so they actually, if they have problems, they actually have to get into the water to clear the propeller. And that, like, obviously that's, that's difficult, you know, so, yeah. Michael Lawless reporting from the Grand Canal in Vickerstown. And since then, we've been in contact with Waterways Ireland. They said that they continually monitor water levels in canals and they're committed to ensuring their continued use as ecological and recreational corridors. But they said, as a result of the COVID restrictions earlier in the year, which required our operational teams to work from home, the commencement of the aquatic reed management plan was delayed. The situation has been added to with low water levels and extended sunny periods leading to ideal conditions for further weed growth during the summer months. They said their weed cutting operations will continue until late autumn and they look forward to starting them again in early spring of 2022. And they did point out that marine notices were issued in July and August to inform waterway users of reduced water levels on the canals. Those notices were also on the Waterways Ireland website. Now to a totally different type of waterway. Galway hookers are intrinsically linked to the islands off our western shores. There were fishing boats, ferries and trade vessels right up until the 1960s. Now they're an important part of our culture. Joanna McNicholas has been on one, the MacDuoc, as it went on a cultural mission earlier this month. sound of internationally acclaimed Irish harper Leisha Kelly. Leisha is director of Ackill International Harp Festival and she's playing her harp on the deck of a Galway hooker as it sails the Atlantic Ocean. Here is Dr McBrogan to explain a little more. This is the uh, Galway hooker, Mach Duoc. At the moment we've, we've just uh, left Inish Turk 
beautiful harbour on a beautiful day and we're sailing towards Clare Island. We're probably doing a bit less than walking speed, which is lovely because you've seen the world as walking speed really, you know, we're about doing about two knots. But hopefully when we pass the island now, the wind will pick up and we get up to four or five knots, four or five miles an hour. Uh, we'll be in Clare Island in a couple of hours. Uh, we're on an expedition called Casa Natija, the turn of the tide with Leisha Kelly and Frida and her friends. Uh, interconnecting the islands through music and stories, etc. But the Makduak that we're sailing on at the moment under full sail was built in Connemara, built 78 and 79 by a young builder then called Colum Curtains from Weenish. She was used for inshore fishing, but uh, she was too awkward really as a hooker for inshore fishing. So I got her in 1987 and I've been sailing her ever since as a Galway hooker. She is the biggest of the fleet. She was the first hooker to be built in Connemara in the previous 40 years because of the revival. I'm lucky, and Paul here was with me at the time, that we were around for the revival of the Galway hookers in the 70s, and this boat was the first boat of that revival, the Mokduok. And she's taken me uh, many places around the world, around Europe, and here's another expedition I'm delighted to be doing with my crew. William Dillon Leach and Paul Monaghan and musicians uh, helping out on a fine evening. You couldn't be in a better spot. We started off at Mount Fela Victor on the 16th of July. It was a lovely day. We always go try to make uh, Fela Victor, which Mokdara's Island is really the home of the hookers. And uh, from Mount Fela Victor, we went up to Boffin, had two couple of nights in Boffin, in Boffin. Uh, then Turk last two nights, uh, hitting into Clare for the next two nights and on and to Ackle. And uh, after Ackle then we hope to go to Ardenmore off Donegal. And I would never pass Tory without calling in. So hopefully we'll see Tory as well and back home again. Nakuna Jay. I'm uh, Jerome of the Guilty from Duach in Ackle. Um, and as you know, we're on board the Machduach here at the minute. The uh, sea is flat calm. Um, I'm part of the uh, committee on the Ackle International Harp Festival and this was a pipe dream we had a number of years ago and we actually can't believe that it came to fruition. There's another member of the crew who was supposed to have been on this voyage and she's not with us and that's Mary Lavelle Burke. Would you like to tell us about that? Yes, Mary unfortunately passed away last September and from the outset, uh, when she heard about this project, she was really, really excited about it. Um, she was certainly looking forward to it. As I said, unfortunately, she passed away, but she's very much in our thoughts. And um, what we're doing, actually, as a gesture, is we're taking stones from each of the shorelines on the islands that we're visiting, and we're going to lay them on her final resting place. Mary was married to Tony Burke from Duach, a um, well-known fisherman, so indeed, that was another link the Arts Council of Ireland had, had, had rolled behind this as a, as, as a project which we were delighted and could not happen without them. Um, again, they see the relevance of connecting the islands uh, culturally, musically, artistically. Um, and I suppose in that we were covering all the various art forms. We commissioned artists on every island. We have Andrew Murray, a singer in Inish Boffin. On Inish Turk, we have Cathy O'Toole, a concertina player. On Clare Island, uh, we have commissioned Beth Moran, who's a weaver. In Ackle, we're uh, going to remember Mary Alburke because uh, as an artist, Mary had done a lot of seascapes. The sea had a big influence on her life and through her art. And in Arnmore and Donegal, 
commissioned uh, Pruncius Mac Award as a writer. So it's, it's to connect the islands and find out the differences and the similarities between these islands. That's really our, our mission. Can you tell us something about the hooker? You seem to know a lot about them. Some people think they're, they're Galway hookers and only Galway hookers, but if you do a bit of research going up the coast, there were an awful lot of hookers in Ackill, and I believe there weren't any hookers north of Ackill, but there's a, there's a history of hookers, even though there aren't any hookers at the moment in Ackill, but there's a, there's a, a thriving yawl committee down there, and they race yawls every summer, so it's a, they're still keeping the tradition of sailing alive, which is great. The reason we chose the hooker was because it was the old highway to join the islands and that's why we've joined McBrogan on the Makhduach. I'm Leisha Kelly and we're on the Makhduach, the mighty Makhduach, coming into Clare Island now shortly. Um, and we're on a big project that we've had in the works for years of Kassanathija, which is the turning of the tide. And it's the turning of the tide on the reconnection of these islands here, Baffin, Turk, Clare. Ackle and then also Ironmore with the historical connection with uh, Ackle through Totty Hoke and through bagpipes and obviously the, the Great Ocean. Part of the fundamental isolation that has happened in my lifetime would be the demise of the fishing industry. Not the big fishing industry but the small man with his, you know, his small boat just getting the fish and um, they would have just gone into the different places on the islands. Maybe had to stay over because of weather and you have then knock-on of marriages and just interconnectedness that was much more natural. When I heard you talk about this trip two years ago or so, at that stage it was a much longer trip and that was before Covid came and changed your plans. Originally the plan was the connection south and uh, with these islands, Arnmore, and to go up to the Outer Hebrides to call into Barra and South Uist and even to go into as far as Guy just because of the musical connections. Well, that all changed then with COVID last year. We, the beginning of last year, we thought we might be still able to go, but maybe not as far as Scotland, just because of the restrictions, you wouldn't get in. And um, then also the whole project was supposed to culminate in a kind of performance or a telling of what we discovered on the journey. And the easiest thing for us as musicians is always to sit down and play, but also to show a bit of history, um, the connections, the culture, through just storytelling, uh, great music stories. Of course, when we were coming round the headline yesterday, we were playing dunes on the, on the deck. The welcome coming into Inishtark was unbelievable. It was actually very emotional. Um, all the boats that came out to meet us and bring us in, and the Kurroks and lads even rowing out to us. It was just very special. And there was another visiting boat with a crowd from uh, the Midlands, and there was a couple of musicians on board. <laughs> they were playing the same tune as us. So that's a fairly rare thing anyway, to be playing a tune and somebody else in the boat over in the middle of the ocean would be playing a tune with you. Yeah. I'm Frida Hatton and I'm the Kassanathija project manager. Prior to uh, embarking on this epic journey, um, I was responsible for the logistics and coordination of each leg of the journey and uh, liaising with the island communities and each of our commissioned artists. And we have a film crew doing some work for us later on in the month. So logistics and general planning and coordination. We are connecting with the islanders, we are talking to them on a very personal level, just gathering stories about history, shared heritage, links, former links that may some may have been lost between the various islands, but also to try and forge connections for the future with the permission of each contributor, um, recording it either a video recording or a sound recording. Um, we will edit that down and use it and bank it and we will share it with the communities and use some of it ourselves and we will be then creating 
creating a small film about um, a collaborative piece of work that we're as part of this district. So we commissioned an artist on each of the five islands and together they will work to create a new piece of work and that will be recorded along with some landscape footage and the that will culminate in a, a visual piece which we will release as part of the Ackle Harp Festival in October. As we entered the harbour at Clare Island, alongside us on another boat, a group of musicians were playing. At this point, I said goodbye to the crew and two days later met up with them again when the Makduok arrived into Ackle to a huge welcome. Really amazing to see so many people come out to welcome the Makduok in. She hasn't been in for 27 years, and it was lovely just to be playing tunes and pulling up, and then we see there's a gang playing music on the on the on the pier, and all great crowd of people. It was just absolutely fabulous. And the lifeboat was out to meet you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the Aclaren lifeboat. We had the Coast Guard. We had come in a Maudori, the, the Yawl Sailing Club. They were out of two Yawls and they had their rib as well. We had the Belcraher uh, Sailing Club from Ballycroy, Seamus Butler. And it's great to see the younger generation out in their dinghies, as they call them. And um, we had other fishermen, we had, we had pleasure boats following us. It was, um, as Leisha said, it truly was very emotional. And it was great today to have Tom Moran, a uh, Curran man, at the helm today bringing the Makduok in for Skipper Mick Brogan because he knows the channel so well and we needed someone because it's, it's such a narrow channel and we had to wait for full tide and uh, come in with the tide there. Mick handed the helm over to Tom Moran because he would know the channel inside out. There are various sandbars that have to be avoided and, and strong currents um, and just say it was very it was a proud moment for Tom as well um, to bring in the Makduok and um, he got us there safely, no problem to him. Donegal is the last stop and you'll be off there now in a couple of days. We're setting off there on Sunday evening, is that right, Leisha? Yeah, an hour and more, we can't wait. Uh, that's going to be a 48-hour trip, so it'll be... Um, we'll all be in close quarters, Overnight ro- rotating uh, watch and things like that. We're looking forward to it, looking really forward to it. Hopefully the weather will, yeah. will stay as it is because we've been absolutely blessed in our journey this far. I'm really looking forward to to touching base with the community up there. Joanna McNicholas. And that's it for Seascapes for this week. We're back at the same time next Friday. Everything on the programme is podcast. It's on our website, rt.ie slash seascapes. If you want to contact me or the programme, Email is seascapes at rt.ie. If you're anywhere on or near the water over the next week, stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>